Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you, Taker. Thank you, Taker. Thank you, Taker. Thank you, Taker. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the phenom, Joseph Holbert. Joe, how are you? That was... That was so much funnier than I ever could have imagined it being. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know what you're thanking him for, Jeremy. I've told you he was not on our podcast. I checked last night. On Tuesday, I was unsure. I thought he may have came on and we'd forgotten it. He has not been on our podcast. I can confirm. Never been on. What are you thanking him for, possibly? Ricky Ten Starks years? was on our podcast. True. So he gave us a great yeah. Undertaker story. Oh God. I, I just, I really hope our audience laughed as much as I just did because that was one of the funniest. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's funny to me because I'm remembering that they actually had guys do this on television. But man, you went. You went for it. I really admired that. That was tremendous. But yes, I'm here and I'm ready to talk about professional wrestling, Jeremy. That's what I'm told we're talking about today and I'm ready. We're going to talk about The Undertaker. We're going to oh. share our favorite Undertaker memories. The the 30 decades, 30 decades, 30 <laughs> years, feels like 30 decades. Yeah, it'd be amazing. 30 years of uh, digging souls, digging souls, digging holes, taking souls. Wow. Whatever he did for 30 years. Yeah, yeah he did. He wrote like, motorbikes, so he did that. Yeah. Part, remember that? Yeah. He's cool. We can talk about him, but are we going to talk about like, um, well, I'm going to make an announcement. I'm going to come forward now. There's a lot of things to discuss this week, guys. I have a scoop. There's no longer a scoop. We're going to get into that. But more importantly, I have changed teams. Right, Jeremy? I've been traded to the Impact. Um... That's true. <laughs> I was we... going to try to up a name for them as like a sports franchise. <laughs> and it's just like the Impacts. The Impact. That's what they are. The Total Impacts, right? That's what they are. So I've changed team. We're going to get into that today. There's a lot of big stories coming. Would you agree with that, Jeremy? And there's a ratings thing, right? There's a ratings. We're going to break the news later, even though by the time people watch this, the news will be out there. We're going to break it live on the distraction. We... <laughs> 
<laughs> we got plenty of trades to talk about. You being traded to Impact, Dolph yes. Ziggler, and Robert Roode being traded to Raw to complete the AJ Styles trade. Uh, it's Thursday. We talk the wrestling on Thursday. We put five minutes on the clock. Uh, we always go over time. We always get off topic. That's pretty much the show. It's called The Distraction for a reason. Um... As always, we left plenty of topics on the cutting room floor. That's why, you know, but Joseph is fired up with the topics we do have. Yeah. Um, imagine what was left on the cutting room floor, everybody. The distraction trending worldwide, number one, right now. Everyone check it out. You're not pointing to anything. You have to point like that way. There you go. There. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the distraction. Use the hashtag, the distraction. Join the conversation, even though we're not live. Um, let's get into it, Joseph. Let's put five minutes on the clock. Let's talk about The Undertaker. Give me your favorite Undertaker memory in his 30 decades of destruction. Okay, look. This is, this is, I'm going to be honest and sincere to start with this topic. The Shawn Michaels matches are great. The Kurt Angle match from a pay-per-view in 2006 is also great. However, <laughs> I will forever hold dear the classic, the clash of the titans that he had with Billy Goldberg. Saudi <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm just being honest face, guys, and I'm all for, if you're someone that's better than me and you're concerned about their, their safety when they did this match, better human than me. That is one of the funniest things I've ever watched in my whole life. And I mean that with all love, to both men, particularly one of my... I respect The Undertaker, but the idea that with a hip replacement, The Undertaker entered a ring in Saudi Arabia to wrestle a man that drives his head against doors <laughs> and hopes he isn't concussed before the bell rings is like peak wrestling to me. It never gets better than that. So that is my genuinely probably my favourite moment. you know. And he's also given us some Yokozuna stories over the last week, so I appreciate him for that. Other than that, you know, take it or leave it for me. That's just, that's just my view on the guy, okay? Cool documentary series, though. I liked it a lot. Xavier Woods, uh, I think he t- says it on, maybe he said it on, uh, on an up on down down one of the shows yep. that he does, and he's basically like, I don't want my wrestling good. Either give me terrible wrestling yes. or give me incredible wrestling. He's like, I can go yeah. watch a good match anytime. I want it to be incredible or I want it to be terrible. And when you yes. said like the Undertaker Goldberg like stands out, like yes, it stands out because it's just absolutely terrible. But that's why it's memorable. I remember texting my friend after this match, who is a, a lapsed fan, doesn't watch it anymore. But I texted him, I was like, you've got to watch this Undertaker Goldberg match. Like, you just have to. And usually when I text him this stuff, I tell him, like, oh, yeah, this is this really great match. It's, like, 45 minutes long or something. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to watch this 45-minute match. I was like, this match is, like, seven minutes, dude. You you have to just watch this whole thing. And we watched it together uh, on certain type of medicine. And we just cracked up the entire time while watching this match yeah. together. It was amazing to watch this match match back because i i'd watched it live and i don't think i'd watched it since then so watching it back it's so much better the second time around for all the wrong reasons yes it's like i often hear people say if you could like relive one moment as a fan they like have these like epic oh like you know when the rock did this or when else did like the the seconds that went by as bill prepared to jackhammer the undertaker <laughs> is like the most riveting thing i, I remember just sitting there thinking, oh my god he's actually about to do this and it was almost like slow motion, right? Because Taker went up, and then as soon as he started going up, he was coming down real, real sudden. So it was just an incredible package of entertainment. The way that Taker looked at the camera after the end of the match, yeah. the, the choke slam, <laughs> all of it. it was just, uh, look, I'm sorry, I, I love it. And better than any of it 
is that now on his epic documentary series, The Last Ride, nine ninety nine, don't really know what he he like talks about the Goldberg match like it was like a war. Like it was like Vietnam. He's like <laughs> That, that match in Saudi Arabia, like, I could have died. And he never says Goldberg's name, I don't think. He just says that match in Saudi Arabia. I, I'd love to know what Goldberg thinks as he's, like, spoken about. Like, he's just, like, a weapon of mass destruction, basically. Like, he's just, like, he literally says it one way. He's like, I could have left my kids fatherless with that match in Saudi Arabia. It's like, Jesus, it really was that bad, wasn't it? Amazing stuff. I love it, I must say. They didn't even get Goldberg to be a talking no. head for that bit. Like, they, they couldn't even get... I'm convinced he got him taken off it because they spoke to everyone. Right? Yeah, we were even on there at one point. I think. I mean, we showed up talking about something. So everyone was on it. Why? I mean, I'm sure Goldberg must have got cut. Taker must have done the full like Jordan deal with that, right? No, no Goldberg. They no Goldberg really, they really should have gone full Jordan. It's like they play Taker or Goldberg's comments, and they have Taker looking at the yes. iPad, checking out what Goldberg has to say. And Taker just reacts. Goldberg is like, tried my best in that one, you know. And then Taker just gives a look like. (laughs) That's what they should have done with that. That was one missed thing that they didn't do on this documentary that they 100% should have is played comments from from other people. But see, the problem is, like, Jordan, they played comments with, like, uh, Gary Payton, Isaiah Thomas and stuff. People who don't like Jordan. Everyone just, like, praised Taker during yes. this there, there was no like mean disparaging con- like they didn't have giant gonzalez come out here and be like yeah he couldn't work like i hated that match with them uh like that's what they needed in this documentary the other perspective of people who just don't like undertaker i, look, I have to say i know that i'm playing cool guy right now and i'm, I'm laughing i'm poking fun at, at mr taker i know that's very mean to me i want to make it clear i actually felt a little bit like i was like um on my own on the documentary because I saw a lot of people poking fun at I actually thought it was amazing. I honestly thought it was incredible piece of work. I thought it was the best thing they had made on the network to this point, I would say it's pretty fair to say, right? So I have no problem with the the closing stretch was epic. Like I know that we spoke about this off air, but the quote he gives is like very kind of it's a little bit half hearted, right? He's like, Yeah, I'm probably done, but then again, maybe not. But watching it as a documentary piece, it was pretty epic, right? They had yeah. the shots of him kind of you know, off Riding off at the sunset almost. So I loved it. It was cool. I'd like to see more stuff like that. I just um, I just have fun with some of the content it brings, really. There's always fun when it's a documentary about a man that played a zombie, like just being like <laughs> straight-laced as possible about his profession. And I respect that. I just It's funny from the start. Just as a concept, it's funny to me. It was the best thing on the network until the uh, Ricochet 365 comes out, and that'll 100% surpass whatever the Undertaker documentary was. No comment. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't send me clips of that thing. Don't tell me about it. Very insulted by that whole project. I think it was a direct shot at me and this podcast. I'm going to tell you that now. But as, yeah. Anyway, seriously, seriously now, Jeremy, just, just remove all the, all the silliness. Favorite Taker match. What is it? Um... The, the Sean matches, I mean, yeah. pick pick one, honestly. But probably the WrestleMania 25 match is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I would agree. If you've got a favorite taker, my favorite taker is actually that. Like, when he got older and he basically just realized, like, okay, I can now have great matches and not worry about, like, exposing the zombie part of my character, <laughs> you know? Like, where he kind of let, like, I always think the late noughties taker is, like, he, he allowed himself just to have great matches. He wasn't so worried about, you know, move slow here, sell less here. He just had great matches. I think that was actually the most I've enjoyed it, I would say. 
Yeah, I was never, I was never like a huge Undertaker fan growing mm-hmm. up during like the Attitude Era and things like that. So I wasn't, and his wrestling at the time wasn't very good either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, the, the Sean matches at WrestleMania, both of them really, like I love 26 as well. Um, so so both the Sean matches are, are probably my favorite, but the, the Bad Blood Hell in a Cell match is really good as mm-hmm. well. The, the Brett match at SummerSlam, I'm sure you love that match. Um, that's a really good match. So look, Taker's had some good matches, uh, I, which I would hope so. Yes. After thirty years, you would have <laughs> yes. some good matches. Big praise from you there. Taker's had some good matches. Correct. Yes, he has. Yes. You know what's a good match is the the Brock match, the the Hell in a Cell matches. Um, both of them. Yeah, yeah both of them yeah. are really good. Yes, he. The one thing I'll say for Taker is, every wrestler when they give an interview, like they frame themselves as the smartest wrestler ever. Right? Like they're like. They will tell you how they worked. And then you watch the match, you're like, well, not really. Look, man, for better or worse, Taker legit did that deal where he just didn't move quick at all for most of his first, like, decade worth of matches. Like, he legitimately did that deal where he would move side and do, like, one thing. He's not kind of, like, um, painting a different picture in reality. He actually did that, and it resulted in a lot of matches that are not super fun to watch. But he was trying to get the character over, right? Like, that was a big thing, especially back then in WWF. I remember... Um, Someone told us about Jake doing that. Jake Roberts, they, he like had good matches, and Vince was like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, that was what I was supposed to do, right? And he said, no, the character. It was different, and as it changed, he evolved. But I agree with you, the biker thing is interesting, because he, like, I like that character, but his matches, generally speaking, are not great in a lot of that time, right? Like, the latter end of it, perhaps, when he was Booger Red, you know that hilarious <laughs> run where he was Booger Red? You had the Jeff match, that Brock match you mentioned. But um, initially when he came back, man, there's a lot of tough outings in that time. He's had an interesting career. He's a one-off. He's a one character for 30 years. He's a unique guy, right? I think it's unfair to say he was one character for 30 years. I mean, oh, look, he, look, the American badass is not the dead man, okay? With, yeah, but he still, you know, he was, I guess he didn't do any magical stuff when he was the biker, did he? I can't remember. Not that he he caused the bike to not start for Hulk Hogan. That was pretty. Magical. But I didn't I didn't mean it as like a. Uh, that was. <laughs> I didn't mean it as like a criticism. I mean, he's unique in that like he's he was he had to change because he was just stuck in one place doing the same character. Right. So, I mean, like he had to evolve. So he has a weird career because he was like the the um, the standard bearer for multiple decades without ever being like the single top guy. He's just an odd one. He's an odd case, but. The documentary was great. I, I'm, I'm actually thinking he's retired, Jeremy. I know I know you laugh at me, you poke fun. I think he's actually done. I think he's finished. It's over. I don't think people are going to be back in the building for at least another 12 years, so I don't think he's going to have much choice. <laughs> but, but I think he's done. I mean, that's fair. If we don't have fans for 12 years, then <laughs> he's probably not coming back. In uh, that case, this podcast is done. Just so you know, <laughs> he's finished. I, I think he'll wrestle at least one more match. Okay, At least Survivor Series? I, I still maintain if, if they have fans at Survivor Series, you do the 30-year anniversary, mm-hmm. you do a traditional Survivor Series match uh, with him in it, he loses, <laughs> he actually puts someone over, and, and that's the end of it. Um, you know, People don't want Undertaker to lose, but like, if you really love this business, Mark, you put someone over on your way out. It's a wee business, not a me business, right? That's, That's what I hear. right. That's so yeah, right. you know, I'm with you. I um, I do think one thing that's interesting is, 
when they do his Hall of Fame deal, because he's doing that now, right? For the longest time, it's like, maybe Taker just won't do it. No. He'll add an eight-part documentary series. He'll do the Hall of Fame induction. Do they just, like, make the whole induction ceremony Undertaker? Because they could have, like, multiple different speeches, couldn't they, you know? They could have Kane. They could have uh, Triple H, Sean, Big Show, whoever else you want to choose. I don't care. But I wonder almost if now they've elevated him to such a level it would almost be ridiculous to send him out there after, like, um, I'm not going to name any names. I don't want to be disparaging. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it would be different, wouldn't it, if Taker went in? It feels very different to me. Yeah, but, I mean, they had people before Austin and Hogan and everything. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. it, the, they're bigger stars than The Undertaker. But you're yeah. right in that, like, they've put Undertaker on such a pedestal now that mm-hmm. it would feel weird. I do think whenever he goes into the Hall of Fame... Like it's not going to be next year. I assume next year's Hall of Fame is just going to be what this year's Hall of this Fame year, yeah. was supposed <laughs> yeah. to be. So yeah. two years from now, by that point, who knows where the Undertaker fandom is really going to be. They could probably just... Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to need like this big headline, like a co, a big co-headlining act no. with him. I, I think they can get away with just, all right, let's put in some big carters that we're still on good terms with. And people are just going to be here to see the undertaker. Anyway, we can save one of these other headliners for, for the following year. That makes sense. I mean, I just want it interesting in the sense that like, I assume Kane would be the guy that inducts him. But after you've shown me eight hours of people talking about how great he is, I'm almost underwhelmed by that. You know, like the idea of just sending Kane out there with a bit of paper and being like, yep, I'm putting the Undertaker in tonight, folks. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just That's the only part of it that's interesting me. But I'm with you. Here's, Your stars have gone in that way. It's just fair. Here's who inducts him, Joseph. Okay. I was going to say Triple H as a joke. Vince McMahon. Maybe. I mean, he hates the Hall of Fame deal, though, right? Being like front and center. Yeah, so I don't know. But I think if there's one person who can like pull him out of that, it, it would be Undertaker. And he would give... like I don't know if his induction speech is going to be long, but I, I think maybe you can pull Vince to do the induction speech for him. Look, man, there's a time where that would have been a very interesting watch. I'm not sure <laughs> Vince... I'm not sure Vince has much of an induction speech left in him, I've got to say. But either way... Um, I sense that for a range of reasons that the kind of Taker fandom has become very unique now because it, a lot of people that I follow and such on social media are just totally done with all, all Taker talk, they're finished. I'm sure it's the same for you. But I did see a lot of sincere love, and that's cool because he has been... Like, it's very cliche to be like, he's a once-ever guy. But let's be honest, the Undertaker thing is like, it's never happening again. They're never going to come up with a gimmick that wild and it will go over the way that one did for as long as it did. So I'm actually all for just celebrating him now, you know, like just do it now and we'll, you know, we'll watch the documentary or not if you don't want to watch it. But I'm I'm for more stuff like this. I don't want to say more than the 365 stuff because I enjoy current superstar stuff. But at the same time, how are we going to be able to watch this Ricochet deal and think it's any kind of sincere filmmaking? You see what I'm saying? Like it's almost better to do this stuff in retrospect because you can just paint the narrative as such. Whereas Ricochet, we're living it. He's doing nothing on television right now. Well, how are they going to do that kind of deal? So I'm almost for more legend-based stuff or like guys at the tail end of their career than I am the current stuff at this point. Ricochet 365 is going to be amazing. It's going to start off with the uh, the great Saudi match against Brock Lesnar and just go down to him wrestling now on main event. He was on Raw this week. I, I, think, that, I think that happened. He wrestled Big Van Bob. Big Van Bob Lashley, who they had like a uh, Clash of Champions thriller on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. 
Bob is on fire. I don't know what they're doing with Bob. I really don't understand the Bob scenario. But he's tremendous. He's my favourite wrestler. Now, did I tell you this? Remember about 12 years ago, remember when we used to do a segment where I'd name my favourite wrestlers? Yes. It's not coming back, but Bob is top of it. I want you to know that. Okay. Let's move okay. on to Raw. Let's talk about two more of your favourite wrestlers. Oh. Dolph Ziggler and Robert oh, Roode yeah. were traded. <laughs> what did you think we were talking about? Um, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode were traded to Raw as part of the, the AJ Styles trade. Like I came on here a couple weeks ago on the AJ Styles trade and said Paul Heyman got fired because he traded AJ for, for future considerations, and then we didn't know what that was going to be. I stand by that. This is a bad trade, Joe. Terrible trade. Rude can't even get into the country. You don't even know when you're going to be able to utilize him. It took him, it took a month to complete this deal. He just gave AJ away for a full month. He could have used him for that full month. Terrible trade. Hate it. I, I don't love some of the details. I admit that the rude um, element is concerning. I agree that he probably should have got the trade done before he sent AJ to the other brand. That's probably a, an element they should... Whoever this is doing these deals at this point, they should keep that in mind in future. However, you're way off. You're way off. Because if you combine the rude and the Ziggler together, you get the AJ Styles. The only difference is you have two men, not one. This is the truth. I'm, I'm going to break this down for you. Okay. Awesome bump taking check Dolph has us covered historic <laughs> historic dominance in total non-stop action check Bob Roode has us covered um good hair they can do half each of that one you know what I'm saying that's, that's tough um funny taunts AJ's like glove thing is like 10% as good as Bobby Roode just just doing the glorious at every turn <laughs> everything AJ does well if I combine the Rude and Ziggler, they do it well too. So, to me, this is a no-brainer. This is a, this is a home run, Jeremy, is what I'm saying. Because here's what you miss. You're thinking of Bob Rude and Dolph Ziggler as what they were in the SmackDown offense. Okay? Rude barely got minutes. Dolph was like a sixth-man spark plug guy. That is not the plans here on Raw, let me tell you. I have actually been told, sources say, the ball is going in Bob Rude's hands. He'll be running this offense by the fall of 2020. I want you to know this, Jeremy, because this is hot news, okay? Bob Roode, Bruce Pritchard, brother love, famously put the ball in that man's hands in the 2012 NBA Finals known as the Impact Zone. True or false, okay? And he led them to glory. And granted, they didn't win anything, but he certainly was great in that role. It's coming back because Bob still can do it. Bruce is in position to let him do it. We're off and running. They're gonna, you won't even think of AJ in just a few mere months. Give it time. Let the guys settle. This will be a great trade. I promise. I like your point that yeah. in the raw offense, they could be better utilized. Like uh, the SmackDown offense, Rude. The problem is we don't know when Rude is going to show up. True. So we, we don't know when he's going to have the ball. You said fall. I feel like you're being optimistic that he's going to be there <laughs> for the fall. Uh, but we've already seen with Ziggler, like they're already putting the ball in Ziggler's hands now. Yes. Ziggler on SmackDown, sixth, seventh guy coming off the bench. Like just, mm -hmm. he's a good role player, good spot up shooter. That, yeah. That's what he would do on SmackDown. On Raw though, this is your, this is your starting shooting guard. This is the guy who's yeah. getting you buckets right now. Like you got McIntyre, you're building around him, you're you're running the offense around him. But Ziggler, the dribble handoffs are coming. Um, you know, he's he's getting others involved as well. He's running the pick and roll. They're putting the ball in his hands. They're utilizing him more than just yes. a spot up shooter. 
I don't know if it's working, but you're right that there's certainly they're they're utilizing him more in this raw offense. The problem is, I just don't think he's the guy that you want in this role. I don't think Dolph Ziggler is the guy that you want to be featured in your offense. It's like the Detroit Pistons, Joseph. All right, you got Reggie Jackson. Sure, you could feature him. Is that who you really want to feature? No, 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 no. That's disgusting. That's wrong. <laughs> uh, I will not stand by and hear that. Get the Reggie Jackson out, okay? I'm with you. Here's the problem, Trin. You what you're forgetting. AJ wasn't a good fit in the Monday Night Raw offense. It never really worked, right? Him and Ricochet, weird chemistry clash we didn't expect. It didn't quite fit. This is better for everyone. Uh, Dolph is closing out games for them now, hitting big shots down the stretch. This is good for all involved. And this is what happens when one man can GM two different franchises. (laughs) Everyone's helped by this, you see. But I, I must say, I do love that, like... So the idea of the brand split is... They're two separate entities, and like they can exist in their own universe. The fact that they actually believe that we see it that way is insane, right? Like Dolph, <laughs> when was the last time Dolph won a match on SmackDown? Like he lost to Otis every time I looked at the screen. He was getting pinned by that caterpillar deal, and now he's gonna feud with Drew McIntyre. Like they actually think that there's a Raw audience separate. Like, oh yeah, where's Dolph been, man? Great to have him back on Monday Night Raw. I love it. It's, I almost admire the optimism in that sense. They didn't even heat Dolph up. He just came out and was like, can I have a title match? Drew said, yes, yes, you can. So I'm sure the match will be good. The, the thing with Dolph matches is the dynamic has always been the crowd doesn't think he's going to win. You don't have to worry about it here because there's, there is really no crowd. So you can just have the match you want to have, and I'm sure it will be good because Dolph is good. It's just, oh, man, it's, it's super B pay-per-view, right? It screams filler, unfortunately. They want Dolph wants to have like a thirty to forty minute match with McIntyre, and I 100%. don't know if this is a good idea. I think he's going to do an Iron Man because <laughs> so he can st- pick the stipulation, right? Yes, that was the thing. Honestly, think in his mind, he like I'm not saying he's the one picking this, but creatively speaking, this is his only chance at ever doing an Iron Man match and not having the crowd do the ten, nine, eight. So like he can actually just do the Iron match he wants and. Who cares what the reviewers think? There's no crowd. Right? You can just have whatever he wants, have fun. Um, I mean, it'll probably be a tough watch. I assume <laughs> for me it will be. An hour-long Dolph Ziggler-Drew oh, McIntyre wow. match in front of nobody? Yeah, wow. that's uh, that screams order the, the network. I'm imagining Dolph, like, assuming he's going to get, like, the special camera cuts that Randall and Edge got. <laughs> like, He's like, why don't we do a 90-minute match and we'll just like reshoot it? <laughs> and then Bruce is like, sure, do whatever you want. I don't know. I, I hope it goes well. I'm tired of the Dolph slander. I'm re- I am don't like the Dolph slander. I've never liked it, Jeremy. You know that. I always fight the defense of the Dolph, and I hope this goes well because, man, it's been um, – anytime he gets slotted in one of these positions, it often ends up in very sad results. So I hope it's different this time at least. Uh, we'll see. Extreme Rules. I think that's the name of the show. Horror House show. of Horrors. The Horror oh. Show. No, you're oh, wrong. Sorry. It's the Horror Show. What's House of Horrors? That was a Bray Wyatt match, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't that? Oh, that was Chamber of Horrors, the, the WCW gimmick way back when. Way too awesome for this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Way, way too Yeah, awesome. House of Horrors, I think, was a Bray Wyatt. I mean, this is the Horror Show because they're doing a swamp fight with uh, Bray and Braun Strowman. That'll be something, I'm sure. Oh, man. This show sounds terrible. Dude, <laughs> Not once they terrible. do the Dolph and McIntyre Iron Man match, then you're going to be all in on this show. <laughs> that would not even be like a, a bottom three worst thing on this show. By the time they're done with this show, that would be one of the highlights, even if it is a legitimate 90-minute match. I promise you. I guarantee <laughs> it. 
But anyway, what's next on the, the on this incredible list of topics that we've compiled here? Uh, you broke some news last week, yes. Joseph. Uh, yep. Alexa Bliss, you yep. were the first person to announce that Alexa Bliss world. was getting in yes. the whole world. The yes. first person that uh, Alexa Bliss is getting her own podcast called Uncool with Alexa Bliss. Uh, you put this out there on Twitter. It seemed to go under the radar for some reason, but I messaged you and I said you broke this news. And then she confirmed the news, and I wrote the article giving you. Cre- I give you credit, and you still act like I didn't give yeah. you any credit. I wanted more. Yeah, well, I keep giving you credit. I tweeted it again the other day when they, they she was on the bump or whatever the three hundred shows that they have. So yeah. you've gotten your credit from me. I cannot help it if WWE won't give you credit and all these other places won't give you credit. I did. I did my part for you. You did. I am a little bit alarmed. I, you know, I felt I was climbing the ladder here in this industry. I really did, Jeremy. I thought I was on a fast track to superstardom in the wrestling media world. It seems I have not got the respect of my peers yet. You know, I, I really felt I deserved a lot more kind of action on that tweet. I was way ahead, way ahead of the time on that. Um, podcast, wrestling podcast. Who needs them, right, Jeremy? Imagine starting a new wrestling podcast in 2020. Why are you crazy? Who's going to listen to that? Everyone has a podcast nowadays, don't they, Jeremy? I would never do something like that. So self-obsessed to start a podcast in which you talk as someone in wrestling. Just terrible. I hate it. I don't think she's talking to people in wrestling. She's she's talking about how she's going to interview all the people she had a crush on growing up in the 90s. Yeah. Like that's who she's going to talk that's who she's going to talk to. She's going to have in sync members on the show. Probably not Justin Timberlake. But, hey, if she gets Justin Timberlake, more power to her. Look, man, I'm probably not the demographic for this podcast. And I know that's going to shock our audience, <laughs> who is like, just they can't believe I've just said that. I am all for the wrestlers doing their own stuff. Now, this is not really doing your own stuff because it's, like, 100% WWE. It still is neat, though, right, I guess? Kind of. You like the New Day podcast. I've never listened to any of these podcasts. I probably never will, which is on the show. But I... I'm told that they are allowed to have fun and do their thing, and that's cool to me. I, I'm I'm happy with people that are talented enough doing other stuff because it's you know professional wrestling, folks. I hate to break it to you, and it doesn't seem like a great industry to be in at times, does it, Jeremy? <laughs> it really doesn't. So I'm always happy when people do just other little side ventures, and I'm sure this will be good for the people it's intended to be good for. That's my comment, and I'll go no further. I, I agree with you. Like, I'm probably not going to listen to this show unless it's for work purposes, but it sounds like it's going to be, tell me about you growing up and how you were uncool in high school. Like, look, I was um... too cool. I was too cool. To go on this <laughs> That's why you're she not going to be on this out. podcast. She said, do you want to come on? Call? I said, I was always cool. And, and there was never any more speaking on that. It was just, that was the end of the dialogue. Cut it off, right? <laughs> why did you invite her on our podcast? Well, I can't get into that. We're working on something right now that would effectively end this podcast, Jeremy. I didn't want to announce this on the air. Oh, my God. But we didn't want to kind of, yeah. We will announce that when she comes on to announce it, and we're ready to, when the deal is done. You know, because you, as you know, I'm always working on these things, Jeremy. And now you've kind of put me on the spot, uh, this podcast will be ending in two weeks because I am starting a podcast for Lexus called A Distraction. So I drew it clear. <laughs> Get out of the way now. I was going to do it in two weeks, but I'll do it now. New podcast coming. Sorry, Jeremy. I'm moving on. Okay, I'm moving on to Bright Things. I'm sorry. I had to climb the ladder. You didn't credit me enough for this story. <laughs> you just said you, you hadn't climbed the ladder, and you didn't have the respect of your peers. But I have to now climb, because I thought I was climbing, and I've fallen again. So I have to climb back up, and this is the only way to do it. I've been I've been turning her down on this podcast off for three years now. She said, just do a podcast, do a podcast. 
And, I, and then you come on and I said, okay, I'll do it with Jeremy. Backfired. I thought you had more kind of, I don't know, man. I thought your reach was bigger in the rest no, of the media. definitely world. not. No. no. Oh, man. It backfired on me. It really did. I don't know. But WWE podcast, good, right? They're fun. It's what you tell me, Jeremy. Uh, I do enjoy the New Day podcast. It, it's them just being the New Day. And they're all... Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. they're all entertaining. And so them... <laughs> and it really does feel like they don't have many, if any, restrictions on mm-hmm. that show, uh, the Corey Graves podcast, I have to listen to for work purposes. If I didn't have to listen to that for work purposes, I would not. Yeah, straight shooting. Straight. <laughs> it actually wasn't bad early when Corey Graves would like give his opinion on stuff. It's just in the now, right? Yeah, and I guess he got told, <laughs> look, we don't need you burying the product, so yeah. you're not allowed to give your opinion on anything. So yeah, now it's just like a straight interview thing. And it's like, all right. I got to listen and transcribe stories. If I didn't have to do that, I, I would not care about this Seamus interview where he just talks about stuff. Sorry, Seamus. It's just not for me. Um, the Alexa Bliss podcast, not really my demographic. And I'm sure I'll have to listen to some of it for work. But everyone should check out the New Day podcast. It is it is uh, very good. And I'm sure they'll have more podcasts coming out very soon. Yes. I mean, they're going to just everyone's going to have a podcast by the end, right? Yeah. You're going to have, like, Wesley Blake's going to have, like, Blake's, <laughs> Blake's banter or something, you know? And he's going to have, like... Um, you will be on further. that show. You will be would, on Blake's banter. I would be lead host. That yeah. show, Wesley would never talk on the show, but I'm here Wesley Blake. Anyway, on the news. <laughs> that, that would be the whole show. But, again, I, I know that, like, it's the cool thing to be, like, WWE podcast. Lame. Yeah, maybe they are a little lame. I don't know. I've never listened to any of them. But it's neat, right? I mean, the Woods up, up, down, down thing, I assume is like an actual game changer for the wrestling talent because he has shown that like he works within the system, but he has got something over on his own kind of deal. It's very interesting, that dynamic with up, up, down, down, right? Because it's a WWE thing, but he's smart enough to keep it isolated enough that he can have it on its own almost without being too tampered with, from what I can tell. Yeah, I don't know how much WWE it gets involved with that. I mean, obviously the talent is on the show, but they they even have like not like Kylie Ray. I was rewatching some old stuff, and Kylie Ray's just sitting backstage playing games yeah. with them, and you know she was never under contract with them, and it, it was just very odd to to see her there. Um, I, I love the Up Up Down Down series, and look, everyone watch Uno. That's my favorite thing. They should put that on Wednesday nights instead of NXT and they would easily win the ratings war because the the Uno series is a million times better than than WCW Extra Extra Light. I've never watched it, but for your sake, I hope that when it ends, they produce like a 10-part documentary series detailing the ups and downs. No, no, I don't, not for my sake, unless I'm involved. Unless I I am involved. I want you to produce the documentary. I I have reached out to Xavier and been like, I want to write the oral history of Up Up Down Down Uno. I have I have shot my shot with him in the DMs. He yeah. ignores me. Anybody listening to this, please tag Xavier Woods and tell him to quit ignoring my DMs. I've only sent him one. I don't want to be like too pushy, but tell him to quit ignoring my DMs. Let me write the the history of Up Up Down Down Uno. I I'm very passionate about this. I love this series. And I think more people should love this series. And I want to write about it. And he, he just ignores me. Come on, Xavier. Come on. You should appreciate that I, I'm shooting my shot here. And I'm thinking outside the box and want to be this creative genius like you are. 
Let me let me create with you, Xavier. Let me create. We sound insane. We, we actually, <laughs> there are people that have listened to the show from the start. They're like, man, they're finally broken. They're, they're done. They're finished. Like we we have gone. I don't even know what we've spoken about so far. I don't know how long we've been speaking. What about when? Why? Whenever? All I know is I have a podcast for Lexus. You have one with Xavier Woods. That's what I took from that last segment. I'm pretty sure that's what we said. Two weeks it starts. Anyway, Carol. Who's your Impact podcast with? Because Impact is a... Uh, you've been traded to Impact, or you've traded yourself. You requested a trade to yeah. Impact. We we acquiesced the deal. Yeah. Uh, Impact released Tessa Blanchard last week, and they have reportedly signed Luke Gallows and, and Carl Anderson. Maybe they debut at... Um, Maybe they debut at Slammiversary. Maybe not. We'll see. But they are reportedly headed to Impact. Yes, I, I don't have a podcast yet, but I am like, you know when Kawhi Leonard was negotiating with teams and like he would just have people that hang around with him that would all of a sudden be on the Clippers, like just for the sake of, just to keep quiet. <laughs> I am that in terms of fandom when Gallows and Anderson signed for a promotion. I just turn up at the promotion's doorsteps and the headquarters. You know, I'm, I'm here now, guys, I'm here. This is cool. We spoke ages ago about, right, we wanted the talent to be spread. Because the truth is, guys, I have to come clean on this. I have been doing a wrong act, a terribly evil act since the start of this podcast, Jeremy, because I have been joining in on the LOL TNA banter for too long. This is not my way, guys. I know that all the Impact fans are very frustrated because I just dismissed them, and I want to apologize. I'm changing my ways, and I will now watch the promotion which is a daunting task for me because I don't know hardly anyone on the roster. But the, the Anderson and the Gallows are there. That's enough for me. And um, look, I, I hear the North are very good. So hopefully they have a good match with them. I hope Cole does some single stuff. All good fun. The point is I am going to be watching the Impact Wrestling. Are you excited for me, Jeremy? Are you nervous for me? What's your reaction to this news? I, I'm very excited for you because at least somebody on this program will watch Impact and, and let, let us know wow. how it goes. Like I watch, I, I watch Impact to to do some new stuff for it. I I like their women's division. I think Jordan Grace mm-hmm. is very talented. I think Diana Perrazzo, Taya Valkyrie, uh, Kylie Ray, all of Kira Hogan, but, Rosemary. But, sure, Rosemary, Sue Young. Look at that. Look, we just named a bunch of the knockouts right there. Um, they're all very talented. Yeah. Uh, I do like the North. Ethan Page uh, is, a, is a very cool guy, and Josh Alexander. They're both. I haven't seen them wrestle in forever because they've <laughs> been they've been in Canada during the quarantine. But when they did wrestle, they were very good. Um, Impact. People tell me it's great. There's just a lot of wrestling that I have to watch as is. is. So I don't always have time to give Impact my full attention. I barely give AEW and WWE my full attention. So Impact doesn't always get my full attention. Yeah, I just, you know, sometimes what happens is when, when we are folks last year and we have respective voices in this community, uh, we we too often, we take for granted our power. We, we you know, we just, oh, Impact, huh? But like, I haven't watched Impact in 18 months. It's like, I'm being honest here and I'm not doing a bit. If you're an Impact fan and you think I've been a complete dick about the promotion, you are correct. I want to be clear. You are correct because I have enjoyed Impact multiple times for its history. There's no need for me to be like, ah, Impact. So I hope it's good. Um, some of the people that have left, I, I assume, will allow me to enjoy it more than I would have if I started watching two months ago. That's just a guess. I don't know. But um, Gallows and Anderson in AEW would have been a weird fit at this time because they're trying to do an FTR thing. And the story of Gallows and Anderson in AEW would be the Bucks dynamic, right? Because the Bullet Club and that whole pull of power. You can't do that right now. So this makes perfect sense. They get to work in America. 
it doesn't kill their new japan deal everyone's happy and i buy slammiversary so in fact i'm not happy but everyone else <laughs> is happy about this next so it's good it sounds good to me uh, I don't think Gallows and Anderson would fit in AEW at all right now because they have enough tag teams that they're yeah. failing on, which we'll get into yes. here in a second. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that would have worked. I like them in Impact. I'm sure they'll do great in Impact. Anybody that, I mean, that's the joke in Impact. If you've been in WWE and you've had some success in WWE, you walk in Impact and you're just the yeah. world champion. I assume like they might put the world title on Carl Anderson. Right now, yes. they, they're, the, yes. you're very excited for that. Uh, that. I mean, right now, their options are Ace Austin, Eddie Edwards, and I think Sammy Cal. I don't remember who's in this match. Uh, Dude, Eddie Edwards is like Tommy Dreamer now, right? Yeah. So I imagine this. Tommy so Dreamer, this... Tommy Dreamer cut this great promo on Tuesday. Mm, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> he, Eddie Edwards, so what, I remember watching when, like, Sammy Callahan did that super dangerous deal right where you actually hurt him yeah and then they did an angle with him and tommy and he's just now tommy dreamer from what i can tell which is an it's an approach to eddie edwards sure <laughs> it seems like people like feel he's got better as a character and such eddie edwards is super talented i don't yes. know he feels like one of those wrestlers it's like i don't want to say lost in like the generation almost but maybe he is because he's a great wrestler and has been for a really long time but some guys fall through the cracks here. in terms of the casual wrestling fan, whatever even that means at this point. <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, he's great. I hope, hopefully he wins it, if not Carl Anderson. Or if I could win it, because I'm new on the team. Um, either way, I'm happy. I think Trey is the other person in that match, not Sammy Callahan, before some Impact yes. fan yells at yeah. me. Um, yeah. Look, I'm fine if Eddie Edwards win it. I'm Ace Austin, people seem to like him. Trey... I think he's good, so we'll see what they do at Slammiversary. Chances are EC3 will just come in and win the title. You're trouble, in on trouble, that, trouble, right? Trouble, 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 trouble. That's his theme, right? Trouble, 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 trouble. That's his theme, right? I'm, I'm right about this, Jeremy, right? Jeremy, you've not, you don't know EC3's no. impact, right? No. No. Okay, everyone, I'll just send it to him. Don't worry, you don't have to do anything. This show will come out in like four hours. I don't know why I'm asking you to send him. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply things that i could send him right now anyway <laughs> easy free has an awesome theme in which the word trouble is just repeating over he's awesome i love easy free by the way before we move on tessa blanchard where do you stand on the the riveting dialogue <laughs> about which promotion will sign major draw uh national international sellout tessa blanchard where do you stand jeremy uh i think she ends up in wwe i i don't yeah. know if it's like they don't need her they have enough yeah. talented women who, who don't have the reported attitude issues that she has. 
Uh, but I just assume that she ends up in WWE. I don't think AEW, she would be better, best off in AEW if you take away the, the backstage stuff and you're just like, all right, just talking about on screen, who does AEW need? Tessa Blanchard is perfect. The problem is I don't think they want to deal with that. And look, Tony Khan has set the precedent. He banned Linda Hogan. Mm-hmm. So you can't ban Linda Hogan and then bring in Tessa Blanchard and make her one of the stars of your show. The thing, I agree with you. I actually think you're right, which is a bummer in itself. I just, like, she's a gamble right now, right? She's like, roll with the dice. It, you take all the bad stuff because you think she's great wrestling. Cool. WWE 100% doesn't need to do that. Yeah. Like, you just touched the end. They have so, I'm not saying she's not better than these women. I, that's not, I haven't watched enough of her to tell you if she is or isn't. What I'm saying is, with their machine, all of these are interchangeable at some point men women tag teams because they do things the way they do tv right like the fact that tessa can have a great 30 minute match i mean that would be useful to her in wwe like what once every four years (laughs) like they're gonna do the same thing to do with anyone it's just if they can't even get television time for some of these women i don't know what need there is to gamble on tessa but i mean we'll see what I will say is WWE don't need that extra negative PR, right? They've got enough as it is right now. I mean, none of them are exactly swimming in good PR at the moment, from what I can tell. But WWE definitely doesn't need an extra layer of bad. And that's what she would be to, at the minute. I, I'm with you. I assume she'll end up there eventually. But it's an interesting one. The way she left almost makes me think she has something, like, set. But then you ponder, what would that even be at this point? I don't know. You know who's getting plenty of television time in the all across all brands, men and women, in WWE, Joseph? The um, boss, Wesley Blake, the oh. boss, Sasha Banks, and her best friend Bailey, the absolute yeah. stars of yeah. WWE right now. Joseph, yeah. Look, I'm I'm in on the boss. We we've dropped. I'm no longer bowing down. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. I, I've stood up. Got tired of bowing down, and it's just it's boss time now. I've stood up. It's boss time now, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I mean I. Look, I'm happy for him. I preferred the act when the Iconics did it. But now that they're doing it, it's fine. No, look, we've got a... This is an interesting conversation. If we actually... I mean, I'm not happy with you, and I want you to expand more on why you betrayed Queen. Hashtag bow down. However... No, no. We can, don't use that hashtag around me. I'll no. use whatever hashtag no. I want on this podcast or any other, okay? Bow down is a part of this distraction. And by the way, on the TEW series, bow down is used for another, like, four years. Yeah, so you, you cannot re- remove it from this podcast, okay? <laughs> That's the first thing. I think it is interesting. This goes all the way back to 2015. Because, listen, I know I have some fun on here. Anyone that tells you Banks wasn't better than Charlotte in that time is like, they're just insane. They're, they're, they're totally crazy. She was more popular. Her character was more defined. She had better matches. She had more momentum. And WWE just said, yeah, but no. <laughs> and they was like, bow down. They went with Charlotte. And then they went back, they did the summer of 2016, it was obviously their, you know, long feud where they switched the belt back and forth. And, like, the audience just wanted Sasha to get the belt and move on. And they refused. It always went back to Charlotte, and then the feud ended with Charlotte as champ. And it's just, it's interesting to me. I have to say, I really think they're about to do it. I think they're actually about to commit to her, the legit boss, that is, Jeremy, the legit boss. It's boss time. Um, I think they're about to commit to her as the face of the women's division. And I have to say, for all my fun and games... It would be very long overdue and well-deserved. She seems to be in rhythm. Um, the character has always been like branding genius. Uh, and I assume the Bailey term will actually make the character itself better. 
the matches have always been great, right? So I, I just, I don't even like saying this because this, feel, this feels like I'm just totally ruining my whole ongoing bit on this podcast. But like, if they squander it again, at what point do we just shut the promotion down? Do we just close it down? Just, just burn headquarters. I don't know what we do. At this point, you've committed all this time. Bailey has been every woman to grace SmackDown in the last decade. Yeah, and yes. and like it's all for this moment, the turn and then the title win for Banks. Do not blow it, please. This is the time to do it. Capitalize on what she can be. It's a matter of when they're going to do it because I, I fear that they're going to save it for SummerSlam 2021 when there are fans yeah. in the arena. Um, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Like, they can't. They cannot keep stretching this out. I find the act entertaining. We, we see the faces. We see the layers. It's all great. You cannot keep stretching this and stretching it and stretching it. I just don't know how much more mileage you're going to be able to get out of this. I mean, maybe with the empty arena shows, you can get plenty of mileage because fans aren't just like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. They're not groaning every time they're on mm. screen. Maybe they're groaning at home. Well, but... speak for yourself. <laughs> um so maybe you can, but like, you've got to pull the trigger on this at some point, and and hopefully it's sooner rather than later. I don't, I don't think they're gonna do it at SummerSlam. I don't know why. I think they want to do it when fans can get into the arena. If they have plans in place, even if it's you know thirty percent capacity or whatever, then maybe they do it. I, I think they want to do it when there's actual fans there, and they don't want to do it in the empty performance center. Okay, the problem with that is the tag titles opens up a whole other like realm of opportunities to delay it. The issue is they're doing them all like really quick, right? Yeah. Because I assume they're going to do a, a tag match with Asuka and Io. It's what I think they're doing, right? So um, I would guess. So in that case, like they're going through every different opportunity the tag titles open up immediately. Like they've done, they beat the Iconics, they got rid of that storyline of like the Iconics are a bad memory of theirs, killed dead, it's finished, it's over. She's now going to Raw, Banks is to become double champ, they're doing it already. The way they're booking is that they want to get it on at SummerSlam, I just, I'm with you, my only, here's my deal, okay, so we, I think we both agree, everyone agrees, the finish is going to be that Bailey accidentally stops um, Sasha from coming double champ. Right? Would you agree that's most likely what's going to happen? I would assume. Um, I think Sasha's going to become double champ. Okay, it's, okay. this is why. This is what I was going to say. Would it be interesting if post-Extreme Rules, Bailey is the one with only one belt, <laughs> and they switch them? Because I'm, I'm just saying, this, it doesn't work with Nikki Cross, because, bless her heart, Nikki, they've just, you know, they've not got her in position to do such a thing. But would it be interesting if after a classic match of Asuka, Sasha wins that match, Bailey somehow slips on her arm appeal, loses her title, and it's like, all of a sudden, roles are reversed. Is Bailey as happy to be in this team now that she's only got one belt? Well, I don't know if that's feasible. I understand that's a lot of moving pieces. Then you've got to move both to Raw, etc., etc. As a storytelling uh, direction, though, I actually think it would be pretty interesting, I must say. You don't have to move them both to Raw. They're still the women's tag champs. They're just still yeah, on every yeah. show. So, but I mean, like, if you wanted to do, if you wanted to do the program for the Raw title, then you would. But initially, yeah, you could keep them bouncing that ball. I yeah. don't know. I just want to be interesting. That's all. I mean, whatever. They just switch Sasha to Raw if she's if she becomes yeah. champion. She's on Raw. They can do some stupid thing where Bailey gets traded for expiring draft picks. It'll <laughs> they'll they'll figure it out. They'll they'll yeah. come up with some dumb rule that they don't have to explain and. Bailey will just be on Raw. 
like you can get more mileage out of this if you do so i didn't even think of bailey losing i i just thought like they're just gonna have four titles between them <laughs> i just think they're just gonna have all these titles I'm the boy. only the only title they don't have is the nxt women's title i'm not convinced they don't get that at some point one of them that uh gets that and then yeah it just becomes a a bigger jealousy thing and you stretch it out and we'll see where it goes i think they're gonna keep stretching this out though i don't know if it's gonna make it all the way to mania i think they're gonna keep stretching this out it's very interesting because the extreme rules match asuka banks raw title is very wild card rule and before you go crazy and block me folks wait for what i'm gonna say it's gonna be great and it's good programming for the next month the issue with the wild card rule wasn't what it produced as much as it was like what you're delaying. Because what what's going on right now is there are people on Raw that need creative attention in the women's division. And they can like paper over those cracks and be like, how good was Asker and Sasha Banks though, right? Like amazing match. But it isn't actually going to help those. We haven't seen Bunker Belair in like one month, right? We She's haven't on seen. Main event. Watch main event, Joseph. No, never. Shayna <laughs> Baszler hasn't been seen in years. Bless her. I. It's just the problem is it's like almost um, as great as the women are that are over, at some point you're going to have to get new faces over because otherwise it's going to be a rotating wheel of rematches. Like the idea that they have to do Nikki and Bailey is alarming to me in itself because I'm pretty sure Bailey beat Nikki in a title defense like eight months ago. I'm not exaggerating. I think it's ba- actually eight Bailey, months ago. Bailey literally on commentary during that match is like, I've beaten all of these women. Like, yes, not- she has. She really has. It's, the, it's not even heel to it. Like, I think they haven't done her and Alexa for a while, but, like, no one wants to see them two wrestle again right now, right? Like, it's just not... Uh, by the way, while we're on that, listen to me, do not do a heel turn with Alexa and Nikki. <laughs> if you do a turn with those two, just before you're going to do one with Bailey and Banks, I'll just... I throw the towel in. I'm going to move on to a different podcast altogether where we talk <laughs> about Yokozuna every week. Because I keep seeing all these... Discuss- like, I just... I'm very interested in terms of the long-term... Like, we all agree this match is going to be great. Do the match. But you've got to be careful. You can't constantly go back to the things that you trust because eventually, like Becky Lynch is a perfect example, right? Like, you just slot Becky in or whatever you're going to do. Becky's now gone for a year or however long it'll be. So I, I'm fearful of them being too reliant on the same group while in reality there are women that are waiting. And if they wait long enough, there's not even going to be anything left to, to wait for, almost, is, I think, my point. I think that's what I'm trying to say, but I'm not 100% sure. This this has been the thing of, all right, Becky's gone. Who yeah. do you replace her with? We're just going to put Charlotte on all three shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Charlotte, she wants to take time off. Who do you replace her with? We're going to put Sasha and Bailey on all three shows. Yeah. In, instead yeah. of actually, like you said, Bianca Belair is right there. We both think she is just a ready-made star, mm-hmm. and they... They apparently don't see it. Shayna Baszler, Becky wanted to drop the title to Shayna Baszler. She she said that on the the Bella's podcast. She said I wanted to lose to Shayna at WrestleMania, and they were like, no, we're we're not gonna do yeah. that. Look, was that the right call? Was it the wrong call? Who knows? You know, in hindsight, maybe they should have done it because Becky was, was pregnant and off television anyway. But they didn't know that at the time, so she wanted to make Shayna, and they're like, mm-hmm. no, we're we're not gonna do that. Um, you know, on the SmackDown side, I get it's a little bit dicier on the SmackDown side. But you have Mandy, you have Sonya. Everyone loves yeah, what, what Sonya's doing. Like you can also, elevate these women. It is like you're right, Sonya especially. But it's also like they put themselves into these positions. 
you see what I'm saying? Like it's like, don't put Bianca Blair on Raw and then three months later oh, tell yeah. me there's nothing for her on Raw. I know you're not saying, but like that's what happens yeah. too often. You have these conversations and someone will go to you, yeah, what would you do with her on Raw? Well, I wouldn't have put her on Raw. It's <laughs> not my fault. You know what I mean? Like or Baszler, whoever you want to do. I mean, I think Rhea Ripley. Oh God. But to, to me, yeah, I know, but. <laughs> When they decided not to have Rhea win it back from Charlotte, to me, the play would be you run it back at next WrestleMania. And the idea is they're both main roster, Rhea wins the Rumble, whatever you do. And it's like, can she redeem herself? Right? That's what That would be my take on it. I fear that what's actually going to happen is she's going to be in NXT for another six months and she'll turn up with no plans of anything on the main roster. Like, I, I mean, the Liv Morgan thing, like... She's on television and she's doing the thing with Ruby and, and I'm sure that'll end up being fine. It's great to see Ruby on TV, even if I mean she's losing, but at least there's a reason for her to lose now, if that makes sense. Like they're doing something at least. Um however, that is one hundred percent them just being like, Yeah, Liv's gonna have to go do something else for a bit. We have nothing in singles. And again, we're not saying that's right or wrong, we're just saying it's frustrating, man. They've got to commit to someone at some point. This is what they do though. What their big idea for Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot is put them back together. Like, that's their big idea. (laughs) Their their big idea is just, we don't really have anything for them. Let's just put them back together. Because, hey, remember the Riot? Remember the Riot Squad guys? Hey, remember remember them? Like, let's just put them back together. They, They don't have an idea. Like, their idea is... Let's just keep using the people. It's the same thing in the men's division. Like, let's just keep using 100%. the people yeah. we've always used and who who got us to this point. Because where we're at now, things are obviously mm-hmm. going great. I'll, um, I'll say this much, by the way. I like. It sounds like I think it all sucks. The core group of women, I find ten times more interesting than the core group of men. So, like, yeah. I'm not saying these women ain't great at what they do. I'm just concerned about the long term. That's all. But yeah, you're correct. By the way, Ruby Riot. I don't know what like the deal is. I don't understand why they don't give her any opportunity to even succeed or fail. She's just like, it's bizarre. I hope they give her something with like some kind of uh, to sink her teeth into in the next few years at the very least. But anyway, I've gone on too long about this, Jeremy. I'm Look, sorry. I'm getting all she's passionate be, about this again. She's gonna be back with the Riot Squad and live more. That's yep. what she can sink her teeth into. Riot Squad, Joseph. They cause. They cause havoc. They cause destruction. Did you not see that segment where they're like backstage and like tossing paper? Oh my! They were tossing papers, rioting yeah. backstage. Yeah. That's what they do, Joe. That's what they do. That's that's what the riot squad does, Joseph. They toss that papers. That was, was that better than when a few weeks ago, Liv Morgan won a match and there was like, um, "What's next for you?" And she was like, "I don't know. Like most people <laughs> my age, I just don't know." That was like the most Heyman thing ever. That was one of the only things. That I would swear everything I own, I'd be like, yeah, that's Paul Heyman. Definitely. He was like, I'm going to write for the kids here, pal. I've got you covered, don't worry. I don't know, like everyone my age, I just don't know what's going to happen next. Amazing stuff. Uh, NXT had Great American Bash night one last night. Um, yeah. AEW had Fighter Fest night one. Look, NXT is banned from this program. They're still banned. This is not an NXT program last night. This is a WCW show. Mm-hmm. We can all admit that. Um like it was WCW Great American Bash. They did it last minute, last second to, to counter program. I'm for that, by the way. People are mad at me because they're yes. like, well, what do you, what do you think? Uh, you know, it's a ratings war, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, great. Do this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with MJF being like, it's a ratings war. I'm fine with Taz saying they run a sloppy shop. Do that stuff. Do- doesn't matter to me. Take shots yeah. at each other. Hope Tony Schiavone spoils the main event next week. Let's do, oh. it. do it all. 
I would give everything. <laughs> Look, actually, not Tony, though, because I know it would be better because of the symbolism, but it legit took that man like 20 years to recover from what happened to him that day. So it's not, it's not make him do it. Jim Excalibur. Ross could do it. Excalibur could do it. He's wearing a mask anyway. No one knows who he is. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Um, I'm with you, though. There is nothing I hate more than the dialogue of, like, just don't ever talk about each other. Like, just play nice, guys. It's only rest. No! I want punches being thrown across the battle lines. Can I just, just have some fun with it? The only fun of these wrestling wars is the absolute nonsense that takes place between the two promotions, right? I don't care. I have no team in this fight, so I'm, I'm all for impact. it. I'm Team Impact. Yeah, we have our own fights to, to be had, <laughs> clearly. Um, I guess, who's our rivals? The NWA? MLW? MLW. No, yeah, MLW. Oh. You guys are probably trying to steal somebody from MLW. Yeah. Yeah, hundred <laughs> aggressively going after their talent. Um, what did you ask me about? What was we talking about? Oh I yeah, grammar and back and NXT. I thought I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Um, I hate to say this because they're banned. I thought NXT had the better show last night. Um, WCW. I have, WCW had the better show last. Night. I'm much happier to say that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> WCW had the better show last night. Congratulations, Derek Bischoff. I um, I thought the match of the night was Lorcan. And Timothy Thatcher. I thought that was just awesome. And maybe it's like a wrestling nerd thing. Maybe it wasn't actually good for like a casual person flicking back and forth. But man, I thought it was great. Uh, the main event was tremendous. AEW is, uh, they're losing me, Jeremy. You know this. You know yeah. this. But I'm, I'm announcing it like it's news to you for the sake of the audience. <laughs> but they're just, I, I really don't want to do this and pin it on one guy, man. But like the Matt Hardy thing is like, I can draw a clear line. If you used to do like a chart, on my interest in AEW, Matt Hardy's arrival is like the big sink. I just, I feel like nothing's interesting is going on. I don't really care about the, the Cody matches because I don't believe for a second he's going to lose any of them. Um, then protecting Hager is like, oh, you know, it does nothing for me. We're going to get into the, the proud and the powerful men that we love so much. Very frustrating. The only thing I liked on AEW, like actually really enjoyed was the, the women's title match, which I think... I was very happy to see that go as well as it did because I think Penelope Ford has been a little bit like um, she's always at ringside with Kip, right? That's where she's mostly seen. And I think so often I see people listing the women that have potential, you know, Statlander, whoever it may be. She's very seldom been on those lists until now. I think there's, you know, she's not obviously, look, she's got ways to go. She's raw, clearly. But there's something there. They have, they have something there they can work on, and that's good. Sheeta is tremendous. She's so good as, yes. the, as the kind of... I remember when she won the title, I was talking about it and saying, like, she's perfect to build around because she can have good matches with any of them, almost. So that was a positive step. The rest of the show, there's not a lot of hooks for me to kind of latch onto right now. I guess is my criticism. I'm with you. Um, you know, people want to criticize the AEW women's division, and... I think it's more of a talent issue than a, than a yeah. booking issue right now. Because Statlander's hurt. Baker's hurt. They can't get Riho over. Um, so uh, over is in, like, into the country. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, like, they're kind of just left with, with Sheeta and Rose. And, and they put Penelope Ford in this position. I don't think they really had any intention to use her, uh, mm -hmm. at least this early, Um in this high profile position but she's delivered all the credit in the world to her yeah. i think Sheeta is tremendous as well so i i think the booking of the women have been fine uh it's just they're using people who they probably weren't expecting and big swole is there as well uh they they're using people they probably weren't expecting to use in these positions this quickly due to injuries and covid uh the rest of the show like <sighs> 
I don't know. Like, let's get into the proud and the powerful thing because we're both big fans of these mm-hmm. two. They were, they were legitimately considered like a top three tag team a year ago yeah. in Impact. It was like, all right, you got the Bucks in AEW, you got uh, the Usos in WWE, and you've got Proud and Powerful in, in Impact. Like, those are the the three kind of consensus. By this point, FTR, the revival, had sort of fallen off. Everyone knew they were great; they just weren't being profiled. Um, and, and like new day and stuff but really there were big free agent signings wwe was after mm-hmm. them everybody impact made a big offer for them aew made a big offer they came in they laid waste to the bucks and the lucha bros their first night they should have been like right up the top immediately they aligned with jericho it seemed like they were going that way i can't tell you a single good thing they've done like i'm sure they've had good matches like the young bucks match was was good but mm-hmm. like Dude, Santana is just losing to Matt Hardy. They're putting in singles matches and losing the singles matches. Like, fine, they're tag team wrestlers. They can lose some singles matches. But, like, Matt Hardy, you, you can't have them beat Matt Hardy. Last night, they lose the, to Private Party, and people are like, well, you can't have Private Party lose as well. Like, you need to heat them up. Don't don't book this then. Like, you've yeah. got other teams that you can, you can book and have somebody win. And, like, these guys are just kind of geeks on this mm-hmm. show and the whole inner circle sort of is like what seemed like a dominant faction to start with especially during the covid era like they're just kind of dorks and i don't have yeah. really any interest in them yeah i think um there's a positive to be put with jericho clearly right like if you do believe there's a whole new audience watching aw then you'll definitely help by being with jericho because he's like one he's the most recognizable guy on the show there or thereabouts and you're next to him all the time and I liked the idea of them being the vicious, dominant tag team of that faction. As you said, clearly that has not been the direction taken, right? Like, they initially were, you know, considered top contenders or whatever when they, they had the match with the Bucks. I think they beat the Bucks on pay-per-view even at some point. I don't know. They had a long match with them anyway, and it was considered like a big match is the point. Yeah. And um, they're not vicious, violent, dominant heels, right? They're funny, almost silly I feel like I'm like um, I feel like I'm kind of uh, being too critical of them, but they're doing what they're given, and their their uh, their range is such they can pull this stuff off. I just I don't know. I'm almost at a point where I'm like, okay, get have Jericho kick them out and have them as baby faces. But like I'm I've lost all interest in them as in this particular role because I think, and I've said this to you before, like I think they're the most money team. In AEW. I, I really believe this. I think someone pointed out Lucha Bros to me, and I'm actually with them. I think Lucha Bros are such a like, dynamic act, and their look, the whole deal, like I could see that too. Um, the Young Bucks are wonderful, man. They're, you know, they're, the company is built on them and the others, but Santana and um, Ortiz are like, they can get over in a way that's different, I think. There's no kind of... Um, there's no phony to them guys, right? Like the promo segment that Santana did with Jim Ross is one of the best things on wrestling television this year. No one remembers it because they haven't done anything with it. He lost one match and he, you know, the blind guy and all that business. To me, in my mind, I'm looking at a babyface Santana and Ortiz versus FTR being like a main event program. To me, that's my view on it. Clearly they have them in a totally different position, right? They don't even seem to see it that way. So I'm almost hesitant to be like, it just genuinely feels like a case of them just seeing them as lesser than I do. I don't know. Like, I can't fathom using the natural nightmares more efficiently than 
proud and powerful. I can't, even the best friends, Trent's great, Chuck's cool, like, I'm fine with that team, but to me, they're not, that, they're not Santana and Ortiz in the tag team. I just see pure money in them as a team, and I was happy to see them not go to WWE because I know that, like, WWE teams, that's not how they're treated, right? They're not a main event act, and that's fine. We've spoken about it a million times. AEW teams are, they just aren't one of them, from what I can tell, and that has been frustrating. I must say, it really has. It's been disappointing, the, the way yeah. they've booked Santana and Ortiz, because they should be at the, the top of the, like, you know, they lose the private party last night, and then we find out later on the winning team of that was going to get a tag team title shot. And yeah. so now you're going to headline night two of Fighter Fest. I think Jericho and Orange Cassidy will end up main eventing, but the co-main event will be Hangman and Omega against private party. Like, why couldn't you have done Santana and Ortiz Bizarre. in yeah. that spot? It's it's just very strange that that's the match you would want to go with. And I get, you could even have Santana and Ortiz win that match because you're clearly building towards an Omega-Hangman yeah. split. Like, you could have, it seems like you could have done something with it. Maybe they put the titles on private party. I think that would be a bad decision, um, but we'll see. And it feels like, all right, you got to do the turn. Everyone just kind of turns on Chris Jericho at some point, right? Like that seems to be mm -hmm. the logical end game here. I don't know when that's going to happen because I still think at some point they want to run blood and guts. And the only logical, I mean, I guess you can do if, if Cody does his stable against the elite, like you can do that, but I don't, I don't know what they're going to, the COVID thing is probably throwing a lot of plans out of whack. Yeah. The, but you could have still done something with Santana Ortiz in this pandemic if you really had those type of plans for him. And it just doesn't seem like they did, which is disappointing. And maybe this is a case of we overvalue them more than more than AEW does. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, okay, fine. But like, you made this big play for him. You, you wanted to keep them away from NXT. You wanted to keep them away from Impact. Everyone knew how big of a deal this signing was. And they just haven't done anything with it. Yeah, I just... You're right. Like, that's the one thing with this, which is always interesting, is a lot of it does just boil down to the people that are making decisions don't see things the way we do. And that, that's, like, in both ways a lot of times, right? Like, that's the way it is, and I'm sure they have some kind of metric to decide who needs to be on the show and who doesn't, whatever, I don't care. But from my vantage point, I just think there's something incredibly special about Santana on the season. The way that they was able... When they went to Impact, they was able to just slot onto that TV show. They're like they've been on TV for years. They were the best thing on that show by miles, immediately almost. Um, and when they're given opportunities to, to go a certain path, like they nail it. Like they did a great, um, I think they did it at the November pay-per-view AEW did, which name? Full, Full Gear. Gear? Yeah, yeah, Full Gear. That was when they I think it was that show. That was the show where they had that like cool vignette yeah. in New York. And, yeah. and I just remember watching it thinking like, this is so much better than anything else on the show. And I'm not saying that as a knock on the rest of the show. I'm just saying... There are wrestlers that act like wrestlers, and then there are people that are so authentic and believable, and you what you care about them. Them guys are rare, and to me, Santana Ortiz, especially Santana, I don't mean as a slight on Ortiz. I just think Santana has always had such a presence. They have that, and I fear that AEW is such a like um, AEW is almost like we just showcase all of these cool wrestlers that we've signed. And at some point, I would like more of a hierarchy as to like who, which of these guys can actually get over beyond just. Which of these guys can a WWE fan watch our show and say, those guys are as good as the guys I watch on the show I like? If that's still a thing wrestling fans do, I don't know. But that's just been my mindset, you know? Like, And 
I think they're those guys, but apparently they're not them. It'll be interesting how it plays out. You know the metric that they use to oh, determine yes. this stuff, yes. Joseph. I saw, I saw your face. I was like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. The ratings are coming. For the first time in distraction history, I believe, we, we have live... Not, not totally live, um, since it, it's live for us, but people won't yeah. see this for four hours later. True. Here are the ratings for, for Wednesday night. Joseph, first off, who do you think won? NXT. Do you think they won viewership, demo, both? Um, Both. I'm going both. I'm going all in oh, on wow. WCW. Wow. I'm going all in. All right. AEW oh. drew a .29 in the demo. NXT drew a .22 in the demo. So okay. AEW once again won the demo. Big time. Viewership. AEW 748. NXT 792. Oh. So AE- NXT does win oh. the viewership. So wow. I don't know what that means. Same thing as usual. Depending on which side you're on, you can spin it however you want. The real uh, Wednesday Night Wars, the challenge, once again, dominates guys' grocery games. Yes, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. When we when we said we were going to do this on air, you was like, um, I'm not sure how much we're going to get out of that. And I thought, oh, we'll get tons. And then when you read the numbers, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get nothing out of this. It's <laughs> like, yeah, sure. They're both under 800. I would have liked to seen, I don't know. I can't. I think I thought Banks and, and Shirai was a bigger match than it probably is to like normal wrestling fans. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I thought they would have won handily again. I guess they did, right? 40,000 in these numbers. That's big, right? I guess. I'm going to look at last week's. Uh, everybody can go to Fightful.com and our yeah. resources section where we have the viewership week by week. Um, so NXT was up. NXT did 7.86 last week to 7.92 this week, so slightly up. And AEW did 6.33 last week to 7.48 this week. So both programs were up. So, you know, what what is it? Great news, everybody. Uh, 1.4 million people watched wrestling on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I hope... I don't want... Look, I definitely don't want either of these places overreacting to these dumb numbers. I mean, they're so, like... Is so not worth being that way about. But I do hope AEW realises that for once, Jeremy, we aren't alone here. I do sense people have less interest. Maybe it's the long gaps between actual pay-per-views. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But it feels like they need a jolt of some kind. And it's clearly not going to be a talent signing because the FTR signing did nothing for them, even though those guys are great. It's just like, it isn't that, right? They need an angle almost. They need something to capture people. Hopefully they can find it in the next few weeks. I don't think any talent signing, like short of Roman Reigns or John Cena, is shifting yeah. anything. Honestly. Wesley Blake? Maybe Wesley Blake. I think yeah. you can group him in with uh, Reigns and Cena. But like, they brought in Matt Hardy and Brody Lee and FTR, and it's like, what did these guys actually? Brody Lee. I remember Brody shit? Lee. Yeah. Brody Lee. He was good. He was the guy who was in the Wyatt family, right? Yeah. And he had a really good match at the pay per view, and we was like. Back on track, Brody Lee. That was fun. I remember that. Um, <laughs> now his hand in paper is the Colt Cabana. Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know what their process is. I think they're missing the boat. To me right now, I can, I'm can. i going to speak for myself here exclusively. I, I am desperate to really get into an alternative US promotion. When I say alternative, I literally just mean not WWE because that is what the alternatives are. <laughs> right? Um, and with less, you know, impacts running and they are running. 
I know they want to be the friend, like you know, the friendly alternative. That's like, if you like wrestling already, you're gonna love this show. I just wish they were more. They feel almost comfortable to me in that position, and I don't like that, Jeremy. I, you know, I'm a Bischoff guy. You know that. This this try this try to be better. That's all I would say. I, I mean, they need to strive to be more of an actual. I'm not saying compare in terms of market share. I know that's like Mission Impossible at this point. I'm just saying, stand there, show up, and be like, this is as palatable for a normal human being as WWE's is. Because WWE's is bad enough, but some of the stuff on AEW is so like, like does any? I just wonder the Matt Hardy stuff to me is so like, um, it's like a minority of a minority audience. You know, looks like yeah, this is super cool. I really want to see Matt delve into his free faces at this point. Like I just. I don't know. I thought they can be better. I thought they need to strive to be better and not be so comfortable being like the friendly show where everyone has cool 12-minute matches on television. No, move on from that. It's, this this makes some moves now. It, it's a, honestly, like that was my issue with Fighter Fest is, all right, there were some good matches. Like, sh- sure, mm-hmm. you can get good matches anywhere. Like, yeah. be incredible or be terrible and it's just it's a good show i don't have an issue with a good show but there's nothing that hooks me and makes me feel like all right this was something like you've got to go out of your way to see and it's it's not there whatever it is maybe it's i do think the lack of crowd hurts them um 100 because everything they did and maybe it was because it was the honeymoon period but like everything they did prior to the pandemic crowds just went crazy like they mm-hmm. could do no wrong in front of the live crowds and so it made everything feel bigger even if it really wasn't and maybe because that's not there now maybe we're judging it harshly of if this yeah. is in front of a live crowd and we see this live crowd eating it up we think this is great as well but because that element isn't there we're just like this just feels a little a little weak i agree yeah like the good stuff feels less like epic you know, yeah. like, it's like, that was good, but with a crowd, you'd rewatch it. Well, you'd see it clicked around and stuff. I'm with you. I still enjoy the show, and they have good pieces to play with there. They have some good cards, like, in their hand. I just, I almost feel the show needs more, like, concise direction. You know, like, rather than just being like a, you know, this guy appears sometimes, that guy appears. Like, just give me a more clear... Brody Lee was in the World Time Ashes last paper view, and as you say, he's now doing, like, this angle with Cole, and it's like, sure. Like, I, I just... Is, is he a big player in this promotion or not? You tell me, because you're the one that's producing the show, you know? like It just it feels like muddied almost. That's what I would say. They've muddied the waters to the point where I don't know who stands where and why. There's just a lot of people that appear randomly every different week, which is my, that is my over... Like, Jericho, even, is the top heel on the show, or is he, like, a comedy character that does colour color comedy? Colour commentary, not colour comedy. That'd be, that'd be a big challenge. Colour commentary. Like, is he, like... A top heel that leaves baby faces laying, or is he just like a mix of all these different things? I don't know. I guess he can get away with it, but that's just an example, you know. Yeah, he can. But then this is the issue. The rest with, can't. Yeah, this <laughs> is the issue with like the inner circle is like, all right, he can do it, but Santana and Ortiz, it doesn't work yeah. as well for like they're not as established. Jake exactly, Hager, yeah. I don't yeah. think people want to see Jake Hager. Period. No. I'm sorry. Um, it, it just I Even don't know. Starts. What's Jim up? Ross is pumped every time Jake Hager. <laughs> so Ross excited. Is very excited every time Jake Hager <laughs> is on the screen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, NXT wins the viewership again. What does that mean? Probably nothing. But people, look, if you go on Twitter, it means everything. All right. People are going to go crazy for that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, 
All right, Joseph. Anything else we need to hit? We've gone way over time, everybody. Really? We, yeah, we were told to go home uh, 17 minutes ago, and we just went right through that warning. We're going to get back to Gorilla. We're going to get yelled at. Segments are going to have to be cut now. People are going to be very angry with us. But that's, that's this is what happens when you're the star. When you're the stars yeah. of the show, you can go over time. Yeah, I mean, we only have, like, one more show before I leave for that other podcast, so we might as well just maximise our minutes here, pal. I mean, I have nothing to say other than I'm a happy NXT one because now that means more WCW pay-per-views. Listen to me. (laughs) Whoever's watching this, I know those they watch it in the office. Halloween Havoc needs to come back. And I'm not talking about, like, a will just get a banner and put an NXT logo across it. No, no, no. I want the full set. Return, please. This is all I ask. I ask for nothing else other than all the other things I ask for every single week. But this is the one film I ask for now. Give me that. I'm sorry we've gone over time. This is my fault, Jeremy. I'm going to take the hit on this one as the pro, the veteran, the grizzled vet. Um, I should have. I should have just took it home. I should have. Um, what did you ask me? Anything else? Nothing else. I have nothing else to add other than Halloween Havoc. But I think we've made our point clear about Santana and Ortiz. And there are people watching this now that are like, I have never heard anyone speak of these two men in such detail as Joe, as Joe and Jeremy just did. So we give Sue the same different... We haven't said their names in the Germany about, like, 10 episodes of the show, and then today we did a 30-minute segment just all about their their struggles in AEW. Look, if if everyone watches the TEW series, which you should, you would know yes. how big of fans we are of, of yes. Santana on our tees. So you've got to watch all three of our programs to really sure. get the full story. We're, we're not like these other wrestling programs where it's like you can skip a week... And you can skip months and understand what what's still happening. No, if you miss one of the three shows, you're just completely lost. So yes. watch the product, everybody. This is the longest running episodic weekly three television program podcast here on Fightful ever. I don't know if that's a thing, but I mean it is. Now you've yeah, said it, it is. It is. Oh, you need to go back and hear what you said. Write it all down and put it on a t-shirt for me. That's what you need to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I. We, you know, we have so many layers. Sometimes I get lost in the layers. I hope our audience can follow along. We are a very complex program. We do need some of our fans to start making like Twitter threads detailing the layers <laughs> and the subtleties that we bring out on this show. But anyway, we're over time. I'm going. I'm going to. No one do that. No one needs no, that, that much no. time on their hands. Uh, what we need our fans to do is tweet Xavier Woods and tell him to let me write the up, up, down, down Uno oral history. All right, everybody. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. Uh, follow Joseph on Twitter at Joel Holbert five. Uh, he has a bunch of features coming out in the coming weeks leading up to no. extreme rules. The horror show. No. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88. Uh, the distraction TEW series this week has judgment day. Joseph is booking judgment day. Big show. Do you remember what's on this card? Joseph? Um, no, Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns. Good job. That's what's Oh, there. there's That's... a big debut on yes. that show, I believe. Yes. Oh, so, tune in, folks. Big Very leather exciting. jacket debut on this show, on that show. Uh, you can listen to our movie review of 12 Rounds 2, starring Randy Orton. Randy Orton still has an open invitation to come on our program to talk 12 Rounds 2. Um, next week, we're going to review Santa Slay, starring Bill Goldberg, the legendary Bill Goldberg, uh, who we buried on this program. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how his acting is on Tuesday. Next yeah. Thursday, we will be joined by Blake Murphy of The Athletic. Not Wesley Blake, not Buddy Murphy. Blake Murphy of The Athletic. Uh, he covers the Toronto Raptors, Joseph's favorite team in the NBA. 
Um, he will talk NBA and wrestling with us. He's a big wrestling fan. Obviously very close uh, with the NBA covering that for The Athletic. He's going to join us to talk wrestling and preview the NBA since we love that way more than we do wrestling. So tune into that. Tune in Saturday to the TEW series, and we'll talk to everybody then. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.